0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are mocked by South Park as they continue to slide in U.S. polls. And William and Kate hit the BAFTA's red carpet. I'm Jack Royston, Newsweek's Chief Royal Correspondent, and this is Newsweek's Royal Report podcast. Hello listeners and welcome to the show. Now, South Park has never shied away from controversy and the show's latest episode really digs the royal scepter directly into what was already an open wound for the Sussexes. So, obviously, I've talked on the show before about the fallout from Netflix, the fallout from Harry's memoir, Spare, and some of it has definitely not been pretty... Um, We've had Harry acknowledge um, on the late show that some of the reaction was hurtful and challenging. Elsewhere, Harry and Meghan became targets for kind of late night comedy shows like Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Saturday Night Live. But South Park, being South Park, obviously have to take things considerably further than everybody else. And obviously without so much as a passing nod to sensitivity. So what did they actually say? Well, the central kind of premise of it is around two things. One, this kind of age-old allegation that Meghan and Harry are hypocrites on privacy, which has been a big feature in the British press, dating back probably since before their royal exit, really, at least kind of three or four years um, and then also it kind of plays off this feeling that maybe there was a degree of overexposure for Harry and Meghan around the time of Netflix and Spare. So the central premise basically is that the prince and princess of Canada, who look strikingly like Harry and Meghan, are doing a go on a worldwide privacy tour. They go on a kind of Canadian breakfast talk show to uh, protest about their privacy. And um, the host is not very kind about it and says, well, you know, don't you go on. TV shows and uh, hang out with celebrities and appear in magazines. You know, maybe you never wanted your privacy to begin with. Prince and Princess then get upset and storm off. Uh, they took out. Long story short, they wind up living in South Park, um, where they live. They land a private jet opposite Kyle's house. Kyle gets um, very upset about all this and feels that he can't see the back of them, can't get rid of them, um, and it touches on several, several things that probably will, in all honesty, be cutting to Harry and Meghan. So one is that they describe Meghan as Prince Harry's B-word wife. Now, Meghan did a whole episode on the B-word in which she refused to say the B-word, as I am doing right now. But essentially, she said it was a sexist trope um, used to hold women back. And the fact that they've kind of just straightforwardly referred to her uh, using this word is probably not going to go down all that well. They also repeat some of the kinds of tropes that you get a little, little bit of on social media, particularly on TikTok. Um, when they're on the Canadian talk show, Harry starts talking and then Megan kind of cuts them off. Um, So there probably are a couple of things that will sting a little bit. One would hope that they have enough perspective. To also see the funny side and just kind of take it in the spirit it was intended. In fact, I think it's really important that they do try as hard as they possibly can to see the funny side and to not get upset about it. But the other thing I've been thinking about it is it's kind of this weird thing where it's like the unstoppable force of Prince Harry's hatred of the media meets the immovable object of the fact that you just can't get annoyed with South Park. Like they have been so kind of wantonly insensitive for so long and it's also such an obvious parody that there's just no point in getting annoyed um it would be completely self-destructive to do so so i think ultimately harry and meghan will just write this one off and not go back to it but some in the media of course did not want to wait and see what would actually happen and speculation began to circulate that harry and meghan might sue Um, So this all started on Fox News with a royal commentator called Neil Sean um, and he said that he had heard from sources that uh, there could be legal ramifications for the episode and that Harry and Meghan's lawyers had looked over it all to see what was wrong and that basically it might wind up in court now. Um, this started off on Fox News, but it did spread to other outlets. Then you had some quite big names like Megyn Kelly uh, sharing it on social media. Uh, I understand what we've been told on the record by Harry and Meghan's spokesperson that this is all nonsense. They consider it to be baseless and boring, um, that suggestion. So they've come out and denied to us that there's any truth in that at all. So where does this leave the whole debate? Well, the interesting thing here is that Harry for his whole life has hated the British media, Um, but people kind of always backed him for it. You know, the world knew that the media played a role in uh, Princess Diana's death when Harry was just 12. You know, we all knew that the paparazzi were following Diana um, when she had the car crash in 1997. And so, you know, for well over a decade, he's been coming out and uh, swiping at the British media in interviews. I remember, you know, in his exit interview from Afghanistan, for example, which would have been 2013, January 2013, he kind of made a passing reference to, you know, whether the media were bugging his phones or, or something to that effect. And I remember, I think, an even older one dating back to when he was about 20 or 21. Um, he was kind of having another swipe at British newspaper columnist stand and saying he wanted to have his own column to cr- set the record straight. So, it's been going on a very long time. And, you know, for the most part in Britain, people always backed him because people loved Diana and they felt for him and they felt extremely sympathetic for a guy who'd lost his mother. But that whole narrative applies to the British media. And now, if you have a situation where the American media are taking aim at Harry and Meghan, that becomes slightly more complicated. That really simple narrative that, you know, it's Harry versus the people who contributed to the death of his mother doesn't apply to U.S. outlets. And one thing that's really striking in Harry's book, In Spare, is that there are a number of occasions when Harry has said stuff uh, was the fault of the British media. But if you kind of go back with a fine tooth comb, it started with things that the American media did. Um, But Harry doesn't make those criticisms of U.S. outlets. So to give one example, um, in a section of the book that takes place in 2004, Um, Harry talks about the broadcast of secret tapes that his mother, Princess Diana, recorded with her speech coach being published and how it showed that nobody had learned the lessons um, of Princess Diana's death and it was an invasion of her privacy. Now, the slightly awkward thing is that while he takes aim at the British media, actually, it was NBC in America who broadcast those tapes in 2004 They were eventually broadcast in Britain, but not till 2017. So that is a clear example, and not the only one, of a situation where Harry is kind of only blaming the British media, even when the US media are at fault. So... You now have the situation where if American public opinion has turned against Harry and Meghan, then if the US media turns against Harry and Meghan as well, will we see the same reluctance to extend the criticisms that he's made of the British media to American organizations? If so, and if there is an understanding in the Sussex camp that the US public just simply will not follow him down that path, of attacking the US media in the way that he's attacked the British media then i mean this kind of feels like it's the first time in his lifetime that he hasn't had that public sympathy going along with his his kind of anti-media narrative i mean you know it might look from america like all of britain and, you know hates harry and meghan and that's been going on for a long time but actually you know when they were in britain people were hugely sympathetic to them And people have always really been quite sympathetic to Harry's arguments about the British tabloids and the British press. So this could be the first time in his life that actually he doesn't have that uh, ready-made clapback. And it does seem that he may be facing the reality now that the US media is perfectly capable of giving him a rough ride too. So before they were kind of silenced by the monarchy, um, but we may now find that they're silenced again – this time by the pressure to kind of protect their own reputations. And on that note, I'm going to take a quick break. But before I do, a reminder to rate and review The Royal Report in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your favourite shows. And when I'm back, we have more polling on America's attitudes to the royals. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Now, in January, we did some polling, which showed a major drop in Harry and Meghan's standing with the American public. Harry dropped 45 points and Meghan 36 points from December the 5th to January the 16th. Um, So now we've done, we've redone the polling, basically, a, a little more than a month on. Um, which is a really good opportunity to try to see whether the shifts that we saw in January are permanent or long term versus whether it's just kind of a short term swing that swings back. Um, The main take home so far seems to be that Harry has dropped an additional three points and Meghan an additional four points while the wider royal family's reputations in America have started to repair. So a little bit more detail there, um, you know, from January to Decem- from December to January, Harry dropped 45 points in the polls and Meghan 36 points. So that's, a, that's a really big, big, big swing against them. They were comfortably in positive numbers, well liked, and they both dropped down into negative figures. So Harry at that point was minus seven and he's now at minus 10 in his net approval rating. In other words, the, no- the percentage of people who view him favourably minus the percentage of people who view him unfavourably. Um, This is polling conducted exclusively for Newsweek by Redfield and Wilton Strategies. Um, And so our field research was on February the 19th, and it was a poll of 1,500 people. So this obviously is unwelcome for Harry and Began. Now, the actual size of the drop is nowhere near as big between January and February as it was between December and January, but what it, the fact that they've continued to slide does suggest that they're not about to suddenly snap back and just become popular again purely because the story's died down. What we saw in Britain was that they started to, they were actually really popular in Britain right up until the point that they left um, as late as November 2019, which was after a lot of those famous negative stories about Meghan. Meghan was still liked by about 55% of Britain and Harry by about 71% of Britain. Um, and then once the kind of rot set in, which was after they, they announced their decision to quit in January, they, a whole chunk of people swung, uh, swung against them. They made maybe some but limited progress. And then when Oprah happened, the British public swung against them again. And then each time they do a big kind of interview or set piece criticizing the monarchy, it seems to get worse and worse. So the big question here is, will America follow the same pattern? Is this now Harry and Meghan's future? Have they blown it? And are they in a more permanent way going to be viewed as pariahs in America in the same way as they're viewed as pariahs in Britain? Um, well, what's interesting is that while they have continued to slide, other royal family members have seen their reputations repair. So, to start with, King Charles, he obviously has his coronation in May. So, I think, you know, a positive public image for him is quite important going into that, including in America, which is likely to cover the coronation as this kind of obviously major, major historical event, the likes of which we haven't seen since the 1950s. So, Charles was liked by 29% and disliked by 18%, so that gives him a net approval rating of plus 11, and that's almost right back to where he was in December 5 when he was on plus 12, so he is almost completely repaired. Camilla is actually more popular now in America than she was back in December before Netflix and before Spare, which is interesting because obviously there are some quite substantial bombshells, not only in, in the book, but in Harry's interviews around the book. The narrative about Camilla was basically that she leaked stories to the media and she had friends in the, the newspaper industry that Harry hates so much and that he kind of sacrificed him at her PR altar in order to try to rehabilitate her image. Um, Harry said, said in 60 Minutes that she was viewed as the villain and she wanted to kind of boost herself as part of paving the way to becoming queen consort which she now is well harry said all of that but the american people don't necessarily seem to have changed their minds about camilla and in fact from uh, december 5 she was on minus 2 net approval rating into january she was on minus 8 but she is now at net zero Um, 23 percent of people like her compared to 23 percent who don't um, meaning that she's actually doing Technically, very slightly better now than she was in December. And then there is Prince William and Kate. Now, obviously, Spare is substantially about Harry's dynamic with Prince William. And I say dynamic rather than relationship because the title of the book is based around the power dynamic between the firstborn heir to the throne um, versus the secondborn Spare. Um, harry is sort of quite extreme in the way he characterizes this this power imbalance he kind of says that he was the shadow and the support and the plan b that he was only kind of born in case something happened to to prince william and went as far as describing himself as basically being there to provide a spare part like a kidney or a blood transfusion part, part, part prance or bone marrow so he kind of painted himself as having been born to be an organ donor Now, William did take a significant knock to his US approval rating, not as significant as Harry's, and he remained comfortably within positive numbers. Um, So he was on plus 40 on December 5, which is obviously a very strong positive rating, um, but slumped down to plus 21. Um, In January, he's now rallied to plus twenty-eight. So he's not right back where he was, but it is a you know an upward trajectory. I think he will. If you had offered him in December, before Spare came out and before Netflix had been broadcast, if you'd offered this to him, I think that he would have taken it, knowing that broadsides and bombshells were in the offing. Kate also um, didn't come out that great from the book in terms of what it said about her, Um, you know, causing problems in the run up to the wedding over Charlotte's dress, which was uh, too long, too baggy um, and, you know, causing a headache for Megan, even as she was processing the um, collapse of her relationship with her father. But again, America appears to not be at at the very least not be turning against Kate. I mean, she is actually America's favorite living royal family member. She was she is liked by 44 percent and disliked by 12 percent. So she's on a fairly healthy net approval rating of plus 32. Again, it's still lower than she was back in December um, when she was on plus 43. But she has rallied since January so from the point of view of the royal family I think they with all of them will be quite happy with that um they if they can just keep on the upward trajectory then they may well in time get back to where they were in December and of course they have the coronation awaiting round the corner so that could be the moment that they simply rebuild and repair the damage that was caused by Harry's book whereas Harry and Meghan for them the coronation is a really awkward ball to play because if they turn up they run the risk of being booed by what will obviously be a very royalist crowd at the coronation um they also will have to confront face to face you know family members who they've written some very personal stuff about i mean it's, it's it's not just the criticisms i think it's also the level of detail about the personal private lives of other members of the royal family um so you know how will harry feel being face to face with camilla after everything that he said about her how will he feel about being face to face with kate the book you know goes as far as to say that you know charlotte was crying over her bridesmaid's dress um i can well believe that a mother might feel quite protective of their child's emotions being put into a memoir it would be fascinating to see that interaction happen live in front of media cameras but I think Harry and Meghan will have to think very carefully about whether they do go for that. From a, If you put all emotion to one side, it actually probably could, on balance, help them. Help them to repair their own struggling reputations. But obviously, there is a huge emotional side to it too. So we will have to wait and see whether they do come or not. I'm going to take one more quick break. But before I do, a reminder to follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jack underscore Royston, and you will find all my latest stories for Newsweek. When I'm back, William and Kate are on the red carpet for their biggest showbiz events of the year. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Now, for anyone not familiar with the Baftas, they are Britain's answer to the Oscars, and their president is Prince William, which means that each year—or most years, anyway—we usually get William and Kate on the red carpet alongside the kind of great and good of the British TV industry. In the past, there have been some royal jokes on stage as well. Some of them even, perhaps, potentially a little bit awkward. For example, um, Brad Pitt, I think, didn't make the ceremony, but a few years ago, he uh, he released a kind of message. Um, saying that he would call his BAFTA Harry because he was taking it back to America with him. So it's always kind of interesting to wait and see whether the kind of rivalry between Harry and Meghan and William and Kate will play out on stage at the BAFTAs um, with the kind of this industry that has traditionally been perhaps uh, lent towards being a little more loyal to Meghan. Uh, not so this time, though. In fact, the big royal moment this year came with a tribute to the Queen from Helen Mirren, who, of course, played the Queen. Um, in a 2006 biopic and um, so she kind of said that the queen was Britain's leading lady and had been for decades Um, and now the uh, reaction from Prince William was obviously very visceral he looked incredibly emotional about it and uh, seemed to be choking back tears Uh, it was one of those kind of moments that wound up being viral on social media and um, sparked a lot of discussion uh, among Cambridge fans or, or fans of the Wales as I suppose we now call them. And there was, you know, there was some unexpected moments as well. There was a little bit of PDA uh, between William and Kate, um, where Kate, they were kind of walking in a slightly unguarded moment. Clearly, somebody was there with the phone filming it all, but I don't think they were walking past the actual media pen um, of accredited photographers, and Kate kind of reached for William's hand. But at that exact moment, William put his hand in the air to wave to, to some people. So she wasn't able to grab it, basically and uh seemingly in reaction gave him a little um a little playful slap on the bum so that was another moment that was big on social media and went viral but all in all it was a big red carpet moment for both of them Um, Kate's Alexander McQueen dress triggered some debate on social media I thought she looked fantastic Um, her gloves triggered a few comments though not everybody loved them I think maybe they've grown on some people too she wore these long black opera gloves so she had a really stark contrast between her white toga style dress and that was a kind of altered version of the same dress that she wore in 2019 so all in all i think it was a successful evening for william and kate um and without some of the awkwardness that they've experienced in the past so they'll be happy with that and that's it for this episode of the royal report be sure to join me every week when i visit the latest royal headlines embark on some royal deep dives and riff on all things royal Until next time, I'm Jack Royston. Thanks for listening, everyone, and a curtsy to you all.